Wholesaling Studios, powered by RumbleOn.com. This is the Home Plate Podcast with Ryan Port and Calvin Smith. Talking all things baseball in the city of Nashville. Just a bit outside. On Nashville's best sports talk. ESPN. 102.5 The Game. Welcome in to another edition of the Home Plate Podcast here on ESPN 102.5 The Game and The Game Nashville. Ryan Porth, Calvin Smith here with you. Little playoff edition of the Home Plate Podcast. We'll be getting into a lot of different playoff topics, I guess you could say, with Kurt Casale. Really everything baseball. Everything baseball. Uh, But we will start with the the playoffs with Kurt Casale, Cincinnati Reds catcher, uh, formerly with the Vanderbilt Commodores. A really good conversation. Looking forward to, uh, to having him. In studio with us, yes, as he spends his off season here in Nashville. Yeah, <laughs> so that uh, that was pretty cool. But Calvin, I wanted to ask you, as you're watching Game Four of the NLCS, yep, the first inning, yep, did it make you feel any better as a Braves fan that the Nationals put a seven uh, a seven spot on the Cardinals in the first no. inning? As like, no, it makes me feel worse. Worse, 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 because the Braves lost to a team who got swept by a team they beat in the division. What? How? <laughs> Who? That doesn't make any sense. It's, they didn't even lead. They didn't have a lead at all at any point in the NLC. And there was no point during this season where anybody thought the Nationals were better than the Atlanta Braves. Well, no, but I will say I have been drinking that Washington Nationals. Kool-Aid you have for a long time. You have. It was really cool to see. They are the first team ever in baseball to be 12 games under 500 at one point during the year and make it to the World Series. At what point were they? Was that was that around Memorial Day? Okay, 19, I was going to say was that in May? 19 and 30 they were 19 and 31. Yeah, jeez. No, but no, to go back to what your question, no, that does not make me feel any better because okay. There's just no scenario where that series played out like it did. Well, either both actually well, okay, the one the Braves Cardinals series that should have played out like it did, or it could have. But the Nationals-Cardinals one, I mean, just outright sweep and utter domination? What? Well, we were texting during game one in yeah. St. Louis as Anibal Sanchez was trying to throw a no-hitter. He didn't. But when Sanchez was doing that to the Cardinals, we were texting and being like, look, if this is what Sanchez is doing to the Cardinals, just wait for Scherzer and then- Strasburg and Corbin. And sure enough... They just mowed down the Cardinals. Well, if Anibal Sanchez is that guy, then we'll actually have a good World Series, yes. too. A surprisingly good World Series. Because whoever comes out of the AL is probably going to be heavily favored mm-hmm. and thought of as, by the media, by Vegas, by the fans, is, okay, well, the Astros are probably going to take this one in five. The Yankees probably get this one in six. Whatever. People view Astros-Yankees as the de facto World Series. It, and it basically feels like it, looking at it on paper. But, hey, they still have games to play, and... We get into this with Kirk Casale a little bit later on today. The Nationals mm-hmm. pitchers, something about them is just special. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're all very good. They all have filthy stuff. But right now, they're just on fire. In baseball, like basketball is a game of swings, right? Like you go on a 10-point run, the other team goes on an 8-point run. Well, baseball is like that over 162 games. You go on a 20-game stretch where you're good and a 20-game stretch where you're awful. Clearly, the Nationals were not very good to start the season. And now... On this insane hot streak. The last time we did the podcast last week was basically right after Dave Roberts pooped his pants. Yes. For the LA Dodgers and Game 5 against the Nationals. And yes, I did. 
And we basically said that this Nationals team is a team of destiny. And here they are. Knocking on the door. I mean, and then they have every opportunity, right? I, th- I don't think I will pick them in the World Series either way. I think it's more likely for me to pick them if the Yankees make it. But a team of destiny sounds right. Because just every, I mean, Juan Soto just seems primed to just have his like name written in folklore with something he'll do in the World Series if the mm-hmm. Nationals are the team that are going to get there. That's how I see it playing out is Juan Soto, the young kid, the young superstar with all kinds of swagger on the field, comes in and does something miraculous. And if they are a team of destiny, I just I can't get it out of my mind that somehow he is the crux of them winning a World Series. Well, he's already done some, some spectacular yes. things in the playoffs. He had the game-winning head against the Brewers. He had the game-tying home run off Clayton Kershaw in Game 5 of the NLDS. He wasn't as good in the NLCS, but I tell you what, Anthony Rendon is hitting like over 400 in the playoffs. Every time he's at the plate, it feels like he's about to mash it. Either a single, double could be a home run. Rendon is just something special right now. Not not only offensively, but he made a defensive play. I believe it was Game 3 of the NLCS. Mm -hmm. That was just sick. So this Nationals team... Even if they don't win the World Series, it, it definitely has been a fun ride for all those fans in D.C. Just like Bryce Harper said, they want to bring a title back to D.C. <laughs> if you don't know what we're yes. referencing there, Bryce Harper, we had it as a soundbite earlier in the year, actually, it may on have the been podcast. Our, one of our first podcasts as the soundbite yes. of the week. But Bryce Harper said into a microphone in a Philadelphia Phillies uniform in a Phillies hat at his official signing we just really want to bring a title back to D.C. Mm. Complete mess up by him. He didn't mean D.C., but he said D.C. out of habit. And he seems to have helped done that. And now they're in the World Series. And he is not. And yes. he's about to have Dusty Baker as his manager. Again. Have fun with that. Yes, exactly. Well, let's not waste any more time. Kurt Casale of the Vanderbilt Commodores, formerly, and currently with the Cincinnati Reds. Nice enough to join us here in studio. Kurt, thank you so much for stopping by today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So, I, I like talking baseball. I, well, <laughs> it is your livelihood. It is. Um, but I'm always curious by this. When when a team is done and the player season is over, do you continue to watch? Have you been watching the playoffs here in October? I have. Probably not as uh, thoroughly as the uh, you know the rest of the fan base has been, but uh, I've been keeping tabs on it. And uh, I may not watch start to finish because the games are just they're very very long right yeah. now. And it kind of just upsets me that I'm still not playing, and it's just it's just kind of gut wrenching. But for the most part, I'm uh, I'm, I'm, up, I'm up to date. Yeah, I, I was up until midnight for that Astros Yankees game yeah. too, the the walk off homer, barely keeping my eyes open. But I, I got to tell you, these playoffs have been very intriguing. Mm-hmm. Just with the Nationals Dodger series, how the Braves Cardinals series went. Sorry, Calvin. Calvin's yeah. a Braves fan. Oof. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> um, this Astros Yankee series, like there's just a whole lot of intrigue, whole lot of drama late in games right now. And I think that's that is really good for the sport of baseball. I think for the past few years, the the playoffs have been really entertaining to watch. I mean, uh, you know, with with some good storylines as well. You know, like you know Boston winning it last year. Um, you know, Houston the year before, and just just a lot of good things happening in, in our game right now. And 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 this this year is no different. Um, you know, I, I think I think the Yankees is are, are one of the powerhouses, and they're playing like it too. Mm-hmm. Houston is, you know, obviously an unbelievable team. I think Dodge, the L.A. Dodgers getting kicked out was kind of a surprise to a lot mm-hmm. of people, and um, you know they've had a great couple of years, but they 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 got to figure something out in the playoffs because back to back World Series losses and then an early exit in the L, and the NLDS is not 
not not what LA expects, but um, I, I think I think the national story is pretty cool. Everybody, uh, you know, kind of views them as almost like a Cinderella, which I don't really get because of their insane payroll they have on that team. Yeah. But uh, you know, I guess um, you know, uh, you know, um, invisible boundaries that they haven't been able to get through in the past, just in terms of you know, from Montreal to Washington and, and things like that. But uh, I'm happy to see um, them doing well and, uh, you know, somebody new getting getting to the World Series. And they got a, they got a great team. They yeah. got a great yeah. team. And uh, I think the, the most important thing about being a playoff team is getting hot at the right time. And the Nationals are just <laughs> in fuego right now. I'm just curious, staying along with the Nationals, when you know they have guys like Scherzer, Strasburg and Corbin, who are going to come at you every night. As a hitter, how daunting of a task is that for you at the highest level, and how do you approach that night in and night out knowing they have such great guys? It, it is daunting for sure. Um, it, it's the, the meetings are a little bit more serious in going into those games just because those guys just don't give up runs. And it's uh, it really becomes a, just a matter of, okay, how do we score two runs off of these guys and not – give up any against the rest of their hitters and you know that's the task in itself because those guys are so good like Strasburg and and uh Max Scherzer and you know uh, Patrick Corbin has been really really yeah. good for them as well but I uh it, it, it's tough it, yeah it, it really is tough and especially more difficult if you don't play in their division I think mm-hmm. if you're you know like your team the Braves sorry about that um <laughs> they uh they probably have a better chance of of you know getting to them because they play them more often you mm-hmm. know we played you know they play them 19 times over the course of a year but if we play them you know we we run into a, a brick wall and we're like yeah. all right this this is probably not going to work out well for us I, i'd be curious to see what their their those pitchers records were against non-divisional teams mm-hmm. because it's definitely advantage to see these guys multiple times and, and and get into a rhythm with them but man not not something that you yeah. really want to go into and, and and have to do on a frequent basis yeah. so th- those guys are legit pitchers well how from night to night would your approach change when you're <clears> facing <throat> a scherzer versus a strasburg because i know corbin's a lefty it's a little bit different but two guys who can throw hard but have wicked stuff as well how does your approach change on a night to night basis that's uh, a really tough question it's uh you know both guys have slightly different um you know sets of pitches you know Strasburg obviously still throws hard not not quite as hard as he used to but you know he I, I've been seeing him in the, in the playoffs just throwing six straight curveballs to, to to hitters and that's just you know based on their scouting report but his pitch is probably his changeup, and uh or, or split finger whatever you want to call it and and uh Scherzer he just he, he kind of takes his game to different levels depending on the point in the at-bat the the point in the game um, when he starts grunting, that's a bad sign. <laughs> did you see the video on Twitter of him cussing the guy out while he was mid pitch? I did not see that. Oh. I want to go look at it, but <laughs> yeah. like, like that, that's that's what I'm talking about. Like, that's a different point in the game, and and he that's when he becomes you know quote unquote Mad Max, and and he starts throwing 98, 99, and and yelling at you. <laughs> so um, you know, I, I guess you know, Scherzer kind of uses the the intimidation factor probably a little bit more, and then. Than uh, Strasburg and Strasburg might just you know outstuff you to death, but those are uh, those are two insane pitchers. I, I, I tell you what, they're they're not fun to face. Well, and, and that's what the great ones can do, right? They mm-hmm. can dial it up in those key situations. We've seen Justin Verlander do it for years, and Max Scherzer in this postseason 
has been doing that, even out of the bullpen. Mm-hmm. And it's it's an, an impressive pitching staff for sure. They don't have a deep bullpen, which has made it tough on Davey Martinez to get through some of these games and use those guys out of the bullpen as well, which is always an interesting strategy to think about using your starters out of the bullpen when you need them maybe two or three nights later in a playoff series. Yeah, ask, ask Dave Roberts about that with, with uh, Clayton Kershaw. Kershaw. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> that one kind of bit him. Um, you know, he, got, he did his job, and then he sent him back out, and then it's just back-to-back, Rendon, Soto, back-to-back homers, and, and there's a season over basically after that. But yeah, uh, I think like a, a common trend in, in the past like 10 years is dominant bullpens uh, win – postseason series you know with uh you know last year with with the red sox and then the, the astros before that but yeah the nationals are, are trying it a different way i guess mm-hmm. and because they don't have to i mean they're they've got a well now it seems like they got a four-headed monster at, at the at the top of that rotation with Anibal sanchez doing really really well as well but it, it's it's kind of you know you're probably not going to have both um you know unless you were able to afford a $300 million payroll and, <laughs> and uh, just get crushed by the luxury tax. But I, I think the, uh, speaking of like the starters and just how that, that is a different strategy. I think it's, uh, it's, it's interesting to see how Max Scherzer is reacting to all this, uh, you know, all the winning that they're doing and how far they're getting. Like, first of all, I think it's so interesting that he always wears a Jersey, even though he's not even anywhere close to pitching. Like, like most, <laughs> most starting pitchers don't wear their Jersey on, when they're not when they're not up it's almost like he always is wanting to pitch like even if he started the day before he went eight innings and 110 pitches like i'm available today and he's just like he's like a kid in a candy store right now he's so mm-hmm. happy and um it, it was it's pretty cool i actually had a chance to catch him in spring training in 2012 in detroit when i first got drafted by the tigers and he was as passionate then as he is now <laughs> really it's it's pretty it's pretty tough to to you know bring that every single day, but um I'm happy happy for him and you know he uh, kind of is putting that team on his back a little bit and, and getting them going. So to to stay on the Nationals train a little <clears throat> bit as a catcher, you've got Anthony Rendon at three, you've got Juan Soto at four, arguably the best three four combo right now in baseball. How do you go about that approach with your pitcher? when you've got a back-to-back like that with Rendon and Soto compared to a 6-7 and seven that isn't as, I guess you could say, as powerful or as fearful as those two can be? I mean, they're they're both very hot right now, and, and they're they're both just great hitters, I mean, first and foremost. Um, I've been interested to see how they're attacking both of those, uh, both of those hitters, and I just I don't really understand what they're doing because um, – I don't know. We we faced him. I was on the aisle the, the last time they faced him in Washington, but the first time we faced him in Washington, like we had a great scouting report against them, and we uh, we just fed anything away to Rendon or fastballs up. We got him out almost every single time, and then uh-huh. Soto, we just flipped him a bunch of spin. We just threw curveball, 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 and um, you know just got ahead of him. And it just seems like nobody's trying to do that, and I don't really understand why because i mean it's it's the playoffs and they may be trying to and they're just not executing but yeah uh rendon is a he's a low ball hitter he's a low ball hitter his hands are mm-hmm. low it's hard to get it up it's hard to hit a high high fastball or, or anything with uh velo up there and 
Um, they just keep feeding it to him, especially with Kershaw did give him a nice low. I think it was a might have even been a curveball or a slider at the bottom of the zone. And, um, I'd say it was almost below the zone. It was almost below the zone. At that's his shins. What that's what I'm saying. Yeah. He, he wants the ball down. Yeah. He wants the ball down, and, and that's where he does the majority of his, his damage. And, um, you know, Soto is probably the exact opposite. He's a decent high ball hitter and, and doesn't doesn't handle down as much, and uh, he doesn't handle spins, so curveballs and and uh, and sliders underneath the zone. So I'm I'm waiting for him to, to try it. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I really am. But well, that's uh, what that's what the Cardinals did, though. Adam yeah. Adam Wainwright, when he faced Soto, just curveball, 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 yeah. got him out. Yeah. No, there you go. Yeah. Uh, just uh, there there is a there is a way to get most people out, and usually it's just one pitch. And um, but that's that's what's so difficult about baseball. It's just like it's hard to repeat that and do it over and over without missing. And these hitters are too good, and when you miss, they absolutely make it make it hurt. Over time in the bigs. How much can a player develop the ability to hit a pitch that there's that there, it's their kryptonite at the beginning of the career? Like we we saw it with Dansby Swanson, the slider just killed him early on in his career. Especially mm-hmm. anything that broke down and out on him, he seemed to swing it at every time almost. How do you develop in your career to hey, if you see this pitch, don't swing or swing at it at this point and leverage the situation you're in? Well, I mean, not not to talk about myself too much, but like I'm here, so I, and this is a great question <laughs> and, and something that I've had to dissect in my own personal game for growth. Um, you don't get to the big leagues without being able to hit a fastball, right? You, you've mm-hmm. got to be an unbelievable fastball hitter, and that's how you know you ascend through the minor leagues, and that's how you get your chance in the big leagues. And as soon as you get to the big leagues, you don't see a lot of them. It's just like you know, <laughs> or, or you see them when you don't ever expect them. You know, two o, two one, three one hitters counts. They're not guaranteed fastballs anymore. I'd say it's probably shifted to you know hitters counts. We're getting something spinning, and it, it took me to really figure out a way to to combat that and and match that challenge and just a perfect example like last year I think I was looking at my numbers against right-handed breaking balls and it was like 150 I was batting against mm-hmm. those um so I was like I, I gotta figure out something to do and or you know just learn how to hit it or learn how to sit on it and let a fastball go if I if mm-hmm. I get one and this year I hit 330 off of breaking balls nice so so what'd you change I, I learned how to sit on a breaking ball, uh-huh. and and but the thing is, when you sit on a breaking ball over the course of an at bat, I mean, this is prior to two strikes. Like two strikes, you just got to battle and do whatever yeah. you do whatever you can. But um, it it takes the discipline to if it's o o, and I'm sitting on a breaking ball, and he throws me a 91 mile an hour fastball right down the middle, I have to take it and not give in and put a mediocre or B swing mm-hmm. on that pitch in hopes that I get the one that I'm actually waiting mm-hmm. for. And, you know, the proof is in the pudding. My numbers yeah, worked out well that year and uh, arguably my best offensive season so far. So it was uh, interesting that you brought that up yeah. because it was something that I definitely yeah. tried to, to make happen. Well, you mentioned the numbers, and I'm a huge numbers guy. Like I, yeah, you are. I'm the money ball, all of that <laughs> stuff. But beyond that, I mean, I've read a bunch of books like Keith Law's Smart Baseball, if you're familiar with that, and all the analytics and things like Driveline, and the Reds mm-hmm. just hired Kyle, Kyle Bodie, yeah, Kyle Bodie and all these things, and of course they bring in Trevor Bauer, yep. that means Kyle Bodie is right there as well. How involved are you in any of that process with pitch tracking technology as a catcher, helping your pitchers from that aspect, or on the hitting side, scouting yourself with any kind of video that goes in super slow motion like that? 
Um, I, I, in terms of like the the driveline part and the the Repsoto machine and the um, Edgetronic cameras, that's not really my purview. That's the uh, that's actually uh, Caleb Gotham, who's a former Vanderbilt mm-hmm. Commodore, as well as our assistant pitching coach. He's a a guru in, in that um, because he spent a bunch of time at driveline with Kyle and and with Trevor. So that's that's them. But I think you know me and me and Tucker Barnhart, we we do a lot of scouting on our own, as well as you know Derek Johnson, our pitching coach. But I think it's Caleb's job, and and it now will be Kyle's, to determine what is the pitcher's best mix of pitches so how how fast is he spinning his fastball how how, how many rpms does he have on his slider or curveball or um how much how much uh, perceived rise does he have mm-hmm. and then it's their job to convey to us that we think this guy is an up down guy is an east west guy or if he's something else that we don't really know so like with uh, a few of our pitchers, let's just, for instance, um, Anthony Discofani for us, we, we really tried to go fastballs at the top of the zone because he had a lot of carry on his fastball mm-hmm. and he was getting hit on balls that were down in the zone. So it's kind of like, if, if you've been following Twitter, you see these, uh, gifs or memes or whatever the hell they pitching are. Ninja. Yeah. Pitch, yeah. Pitching Ninja, like the overlays. Yep. And that's exactly the point because they all look the same as to a certain point, but they all have to start at the same point in order for you to really gain the the, the tactic that you're trying to do with the hitter. Like you're trying to change your eye level. Um, we're trying to figure out where he's looking. Uh, the hitter is looking in the first place. Is he is he tunneling a fastball inside, or is he looking away? Is he looking up? Is he looking down? And it's our job to be able to determine. That's it's me and Tucker's job to be able to determine that right away. And that's where we got to start our pitches. Mm-hmm. And then make them chase everything off of that. So there's 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 a lot to yeah. it. There's a lot to it. I, you'd be really interested in and in, in, uh, some of the stuff that that we do. But um, super excited for for Kyle to come in. I can't wait to meet mm-hmm. him. And uh, you know, even even more excited to see um, you know what Trevor can do over the course of an off season. And it's uh, you know hopefully we add you know step two to our our pitching uh, pitching plan because. Our pitchers just lit it up last mm-hmm. year. It was a a really really nice change in a one eighty from from our direction yeah. from the previous year. And now, as long as our offense can catch up, yep. we'll, we'll be uh, we'll we'll be in pretty good shape. Is it, is it nice to see that from an organization something that you were already doing well, and then them adding <clears throat> fuel to the fire to keep it going to ensure that's going to continue to happen? Yeah, I think it's. Um, I, I think I think they now realize that it's a strength of ours. And I think nobody would ever think that it's a strength of a Cincinnati Reds nope. uh, <laughs> uh, baseball team just because of the the ballpark that we we play in. But if you got good pitchers and you got a good plan, doesn't matter what ballpark you're in, you can you can make it work. I think back in the 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013 seasons where the Reds made the playoffs three out of four years, though that those pitching staffs proved that you can win in that ballpark. Where I think there was a preconceived notion that you couldn't. Like Johnny Cueto wasn't a fly ball pitcher in a red, red uniform. He won a lot of games, even at Great American Ballpark. Matt Latos was successful in Cincinnati. Homer Bailey was successful yeah. for a few years in Cincinnati, where there's this almost course field type mantra around the Reds of, well, they're not going to win with with good pitching because you can't pitch well 
in that ballpark, there are ways around it for sure. There, there are, and it, to compare it to Coors Field is just not even remotely close. That place is a circus. <laughs> uh, we've, we've, I don't know if you if you followed our our series against the Rockies in in, in oh, yeah. Denver this year, but it was the mo- one, like, one of the weirdest baseball series I've ever played in my life. It was it, bipolar. It was just it was strange. It just didn't feel like baseball. I mean, it was. Um, and then on top of that, the way that they cut their outfield grass, it like any ground ball, it just snakes. And I've never seen so many balls misplayed in the outfield in my entire my entire life, really. And I just can't imagine why they don't change the way that they cut that grass because it, it, it kills their outfielders and, and it just creates so many more opportunities for runs. But the um yeah, so the course field, I don't know, that's not really a great great comparison, but in terms of like the challenge to to pitch in those particular ballparks it is different um god it's so funny so it's we're, we're talking about course field but um so like breaking balls don't really break there it's just like it's just a you know it's a it's just fact like nobody really gets to spin the ball and it really breaks but man sunny pitched there this year and uh their hitters were just you know yelling expletives like like how the hell is this breaking as much as it like he was scaring hitters because because they had never seen a curveball break as much as the, as his does in, in at Coors Field. I, just, I was just laughing back there. I'm just like, well, that's 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 what he does. <laughs> that's sunny. <laughs> that, that, that's sunny. Like, and and know, that's surprise. A good, and that's a good Rockies lineup. It's a really good Rockies lineup, especially yeah. there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Arenado, Story, and they were all du- those they guys. were dumbfounded. Mm-hmm. They were dumbfounded. It was it was really really funny but well speaking of sunny uh-huh. you, you said to us uh before we started here that you just saw sunny i guess yesterday yeah um he had an amazing season sure did arguably his best season as a pro even though a lot of people look at win loss records he was 11 and 8 but you look at the strikeout numbers you look at the era you look at him being a bulldog on the mound for a lot of different games this season for the reds he was outstanding why why did he have such a turnaround from his days with the Yankees and even a, a couple seasons prior to that? I really think um, I, people were tough on him in New York, and I I, I was I'd be one of the first ones to say that I, I I was completely shocked when it when it didn't really go well in New York. I, I thought he would go into New York and just absolutely kill it because he's um, he's a guy that really steps up and and uh, big situations are in a spotlight. But you know, New York is New York; it doesn't work for everybody and. That's just kind of a, I don't know. That's kind of an excuse that the journalists in, in New York yeah. gave, and, and they just, you know, picked him as their their, you know, punching bag to to pick on. And um, I, I was so happy that we we traded for him. You know, big uh, big props to our GM Nick Crawl and and, uh, and and Derek Johnson, our former pitching coach, for getting that done because he was a, a leader on our team and um, he, he made even more of an impact, you know, in the locker room than he did on the field but on the field he was you know he was he was our guy I mean we had we had you know Luis Castillo as well who's, who had a great year as well but Sonny was beyond consistent um you know we just we 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 talked about you know the Rapsodo and the, and the driveline thing and, and Sonny spins the ball better than anybody in baseball mm-hmm. in terms of how he how he throws a curveball and we just decided to, to call it more and just he's <laughs> he's got He's got great control of his curveball, um, and we just—I'd be curious to see what percentage of the time we called it. But I just—I put a heck of a lot of number twos down, and um, you know, a lot of a lot of two seamers in at righty's hands, and 
and just creating, you know, creating deception and just, you know, setting it up for, hey, here's your curveball, try and hit it. And nobody hit it. Well, and he was dominant at Vanderbilt, and you played with him at mm-hmm. Vanderbilt. Was he better this season in Cincinnati than he was at Vanderbilt in yeah. your eyes? Yeah, yeah, 100%. He, uh, in college, he, he still had the, the same stuff he, he has now. I'd I, I venture to say his, his stuff is better now just because he's older and he's a pro and he does this every day for a living now. But he, uh, he'd be the first one to tell you he didn't really know where his fastball was going in college. I mean, he, he had like a general idea of where it was going to go, but it was – he was throwing a two seamer that would cut, it would it would sink, it would ride, and and uh and now he's gotten to the point where he's able to throw a four seamer and a two seamer that that's you know, kind of going in, in different different areas. But he uh he's hitting my glove. He's hitting Tucker's glove and he's just not making a lot of mistakes and mm-hmm. uh striking out a lot of people in the process and, and really, you know, putting us on his back and, and, and taking us to you know, to to a lot of wins w- w- with him on the mound. I know his record doesn't reflect it, but you know, post All Star break, I think it was he he got on a on a bender and oh yeah, and uh, he he really really did some did some cr- crazy things. And this is all with I don't know if you guys he, he with some pretty serious bone chips in his elbow. I know, and that's uh, that's really impressive. He uh, the amount of work he had to do, um, not not to spill too much of his you know in between starts but he he had to put a lot of work into to prepare for each and every start and uh, i would anticipate even better things for Sunday wow. next year just because he's not going to be riddled with with all that so nonsense so, so obviously you knew he was going through that during the season right mm-hmm. what kind of challenge was that for Sonny to battle through that in between starts and then go out there and then throw six seven eight great innings consistently I'm sure it was a challenge for him. Um, I think it's a better question for him to answer. But yeah. I, if I were to guess, he uh, I think he had good days and bad days. And, you know, we knew when the good days were and we knew when the bad days were. But, you know, it, it might have just changed his, you know, whether he was smiling more that day or, you know, if if, if his arm was hurting. Like, yeah, we, we kind of knew. But uh, it didn't ever affect him going out and missing a start because he didn't miss any starts. He, you know, he put together a complete, season and that's you know you get rewarded with an all-star you know an all-star game there and uh you know you're just nominated for national league comeback player of the year which i think he i hope he wins because he deserves it whether he wants that or not i, I don't know but he um you know he was he was our guy he he helped change our our culture around our pitching staff and um and, and now he's getting paid a lot of money to do that because he, he's certainly delivered for the exact numbers on Sonny Gray, yeah. he basically threw a curveball every time he threw a fastball. He threw a fastball about 28% of the time, a curveball about 25%, wow. and then a slider 21%. Yeah. And that's a huge uptick from last season, and that's nuts. But also across the league, I feel like that's kind of something that's going on. You're seeing a lot more breaking pitches. And something I was always taught as a young player was don't throw the curveball too early. Like Don't throw it too often either because it, it causes injuries because of what you're doing to your elbow. Does that hold any water in the bigs at this point or is that kind of going away because i know that's something you know places like driveline and a mm-hmm. lot of pitching mechanics people are fighting against or pushing for that's that's a good question um you know trevor bauer throws as many breaking balls as mm-hmm. probably anybody in baseball and to my knowledge he's not had any knock on wood any arm yeah. problems and and it's because of 
I, w- I would assume it's because of his insane routine yes. over the course of a week. <laughs> and um, it, he, he works so hard. It's, it's really impressive to see what he puts together over the course of a day. Um, but he, but he, he's out there. Like he's got a rubber arm because of it. Mm-hmm. Like he, you know, he, he, he's doing these weighted balls. He, he throws left-handed and, uh, it's for for symmetry, and I'm like, that's that's genius. Like, if, yeah. if we, we've like honestly, our hitters have taken that into the cage, and then we hit a lot left, like opposite hand, just to, you know, give uh, you know equal balance and you know equal stretching to our to our spine, and um, so like something like that is just is simply from Trevor yeah. Bauer. And uh, the, so back to like the curveball thing, I think as long as you're taking care of your arm and you're throwing it the right way, then you should be you should be good. I mean, Sonny's throw more curveballs than anybody and like it just it, it, i think it, as long as you're doing it properly and you've you've set your arm up and your arm is you know your shoulder and your your scap and all all the the tiny muscles in your throwing arm are are, are healthy and they're being taken care of and they're strengthening then i really don't think there's any problem to it but i i, I do think that the curveball is going to come back yeah. in, in baseball i kind of it kind of had a little hiatus for a while mm-hmm. because everybody got really you know, hopped up on the slider, the you know the ninety mile an hour slider, and mm-hmm. um, it's still a good pitch, but I think a curveball is harder to hit. As a hitter, what would you rather hit, a curveball or a slider? Uh, I'd rather hit a slider. You'd rather why? Um, it doesn't break as much. Yeah. Um, I guess most people's don't break as much. I think if you throw a good curveball like Sonny's, it's moving horizontally as much as it's moving vertically. So that's two changes of direction technically that you have to match with your bat and your eyes a slider is just moving you know for the most part horizontally you know there might be a little bit of depth and that's when you really get a lot of swing and misses but i'd rather have the one that moves a little bit than the one that moves a lot so i'm going to put you in a hypothetical situation that is completely unfair okay cool you've got two outs you've got two strikes you've got runners on base you're catching let's say sixth seventh eighth inning whatever Mm mm-hmm Two strikes on a hitter. Are you calling the Luis Castillo changeup? Are you calling the Amir Garrett slider or the Sonny Gray curveball? <laughs> What's the count? Just two strikes. Oh, two, one, two. Let, let's it say, makes a difference. Let's say two, two. Two, two. two. Ooh. All right, what hand is the batter? Well, that does... <laughs> That does impact. Sorry, I'm ruining it. I'm ruining it. I'm ruining it. These are things that that I, that I, I think about. It's a lefty. Amir uh, Garrett, right? Well, it doesn't doesn't okay. imagine that doesn't have to be. Okay. I think. All right. So, like, all right. Let's just break it down. All right. If if you don't mind. Okay. Go for um, it. If there's a lefty hitter up there right now, um, first and foremost, I would take Amir Garrett's slider just because he's got tremendous reach. My second would be Sonny Sonny's curveball. Okay. My third would be Luis's changeup. If if it's a righty up. I would pick Amir last just just for just because he's left on right. That's just that's a little unfair. Um and he has much better success against lefties, but I would take Luis's change up against a righty over Sonny's curveball. If Sonny was throwing a really good slider that day, it might be it might be a different different story, but two two in, in this in this day and age is, is essentially three two. I don't want to. I don't want it to get to three two. I want to end the bat there. I mm-hmm. want to be able to call the same pitch. I would call three two on two two, and that's Luis's changeup. And Sonny, Sonny wouldn't have his feelings hurt if I said that. <laughs> <laughs> How cool is it though, as a catcher, to be catching three of the best pitches in baseball? 
those three that I that I mentioned there. Really, really cool. Um, it's uh, you know, for 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 two of them, I'd say it's uh, it's much cooler. So like when when Luis's changeup comes in and and when Amir's slider comes in, they're just usually out pitches right away. When Sonny throws his curveball, it, it might be spiked. And, you know, they might swing it anyways, but that just means that I'm just going to wear one off my forearm. That's, that's, <laughs> um, he just, he would just laugh at me. He'd be like, hey, good block, man. Like, and uh, <laughs> that's what he sounds like. But uh, it, it is, it is very cool to get the opportunity to, to catch some unbelievable pitchers. And th- those three are, you know, am- among the, the best in baseball. And that's, that's omitting a lot of other guys on our team who have, really really great stuff i mean mm-hmm. michael lorenzen is just a freak of nature um and he's got a great changeup as well but there's uh i feel i feel very fortunate to to be in the situation i'm at and, and get the opportunity to catch the guys i do i was really surprised this season by the tampa bay race and you spent some time I wasn't. really and that that's what i'm going to try to get to is you spent time with the organization is there anything different about how they function because the payroll a lot of it looking at the beginning <clears throat> of the year on paper, you would say this team doesn't have any business going out and winning ninety-five games. But you have experience with how they function. Is it different that kind of leads to the results they get? Um, well, they're they're a pitching and defense organization first mm-hmm. and foremost. They just they develop arms, and uh, you know, all, probably better than any other team in, in in the game at this point. Just for and for the value that they get from them. But the reason I said I wasn't surprised is because the majority of their team now was their AAA team for the past two years, and I was a part of that. With, with Durham and they've won back-to-back national championships like they they had a big league staff in their rotation and a big league bullpen in AAA and, and nobody beat us when when we were when we were playing like you know it's AAA and it's you know the competition is different but like if we're looking at Tampa like they just they're they're what was what were they known for in the in the bull in the in the postseason like everybody was talking about their bullpen like they didn't really even have to throw a starter out there yeah. if, if it was you know unless it was Charlie Morton or you know kind of a yep. uh let, let's just say like half of what Blake Snell is right now because he had a you know mm-hmm. injury riddled uh, riddled season which stinks because he's an awesome pitcher and an awesome dude but <laughs> their bullpen is just unbelievable yeah. I remember catching Diego Castillo and and and. Durham and Triple A, and he's just—he's a monster, <laughs> man. He's so good, and it was only a matter of time before before yeah. they, uh, you know, they they finally hit that hit hit the hit the ground running, and you know they put the right pieces together on the offensive side of the ball, and it was just a matter of if they if they were going to score enough runs, and um, man, if they, I'd be interested to see if they played. Who was who the Yankees play first? If they, they play the Twins or the Yankees first, they might be a completely different mm-hmm. series. Yeah. But they just got matched up with Houston and, yep. and you know and Garrett, Garrett Cole, Cole, who was going to strike Garrett, out everybody. Garrett Cole is just not going to give up any runs right now. So yeah, like, but he doesn't give up runs against anybody. So yeah. you know they got to Verlander and you know, but you you run into Garrett Cole twice, you're going to lose. Yeah. So that kind of brings us full circle on this conversation. We started on the playoffs, mm-hmm. ALCS going on right now. As a baseball fan, I know you have some friends with the mm-hmm. with that Rays team. Yeah. As a as a baseball fan, I wanted to see Astros Yankees. Yeah, I course. wanted to see the best versus the best. Sure. And we're getting that right now. Mm-hmm. Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander, you on the Yankee side, you've got all those bashers in the lineup. It has to be cool just as a baseball guy like you 
to sit back and watch the amount of talent that is on both sides in the lineup, in the rotation, in the bullpen, and it is just a back and forth, back and forth, just grudge match between those two. Yeah, they're they're two juggernauts in the game right now, and um, you know, you want homers, you'll get homers. You want great defense, you'll get that too, and you want great starting pitching, you'll get that. It's like. I, you're absolutely right. It, it, it's a. Uh, I think it's the series everybody wanted to see, um, and and so far it's it's proven to be just that. I mean, you know, it's. I, I think that they're not scoring as many runs as maybe they would hope. But like, you're not going to score runs off. The, like, just like the the playoffs are different. It's mm-hmm. like you know, pitchers get better in the playoffs. They they throw harder. Their 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 stuff is nastier. But um. Man, it, it's it's interesting. I don't, I don't really know if if I'm leaning one way or another to see what what team is better. I mean, I I I keep, I keep looking. I'm like this guy DJ Lemayu is unreal. Like people like people in New York don't even realize how good of a player this guy is. Like mm-hmm. all he does is hit, and it's just like it's a, and he could play anywhere on the field too. And he could play anywhere on the field. It's like that was that was probably one of the best free agent signs of of, of all last soft season. But um, I, I, it, it's good. Correa is playing well. For, for Houston right now, he's made some unbelievable defensive plays. Um, Bragg, so, Bragman is pregnant. Like they're, so they're interesting. You bring up Correa's defensive play. Yeah, game two that was awesome. The the play that he made, Altuve. If I'm trying to remember the play correctly, it was hit hard. It was hit hard. Altuve couldn't corral it. It's a loose ball behind second base, and the Yankees runner is coming in to try to score. Mm-hmm. And the play that Correa makes. To grab the ball, throw it home, a bullet on the money, a strike to get him out. How difficult is that for Correa to pull off? Man, it might be really easy for him. I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> but just in general, I think it's a super hard play. I mean, it's 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 a first of all, it's a throw they don't practice ever. Yeah. Like you know, it, it, his instinct just took over. I mean, it was almost like it was almost Jeter and Oakland esque. Like, yeah, if, mm-hmm. if we're really thinking about like you know how big of a play it was like and how nobody would think to do that yeah and he did it. he put it right on the money right right in uh you know right in Torino's glove and and he had you know three steps to plant and make a tag it's like he's got an unbelievable arm he saved that game and then he ended that game yeah <laughs> no kidding and, and talk about taking over and on that defensive play John Smoltz was basically saying Yankees did nothing wrong no, that, they had uh, to take third, that chance. Yeah, nine times, or maybe maybe not against him, but like nine times out of ten against any other defense, they score mm-hmm. because the shortstop is not near the play. But he just instincts took over. He decided to sprint over at a ground ball to the second baseman when he probably didn't even have like a, a care in the world or thought that he was going to miss it. And it's just like it's like backing up an infielder, like what outfielders do when you know it's. Uh, a play, you know, in the right center gap, like both of them converge, center fielder gets it, right fielder backs him up. Correa did that, but with second base and a shortstop, and then pivoted and threw probably a ninety-three mile an hour fastball right, <laughs> right, right at Trevino's glove and 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 saved and saved the game, and then took it upon himself. He's like, ah, I'm tired of playing off this not blow jack and end it. Yeah, <laughs> pretty cool. So we saw renderings come out a few weeks ago from the group in Nashville that wants to bring Major League Baseball to this city. Okay. I don't know if you had a chance to see the renderings. No, I haven't. It's it's basically a retractable roof stadium on the other side of the river from from Broadway in between Nissan Stadium and Korean Veterans Boulevard. Okay. 
I don't know how you can put a, a baseball stadium there in that in With that the traffic spot. traffic problem we already had exactly. But there's just I don't I don't know if the word is momentum, but there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff happening right now behind the scenes of this group wanting to bring Major League Baseball to Nashville. Do you feel like this city would be ready? For, for Nashville, as you get a chance to look at the uh, at the renderings wow, now, that's, that's really really cool. That's right beside Nissan Stadium. So it would have the it would have the this uh, the skyline in the background. Yes, yes, right, right on yeah. the river. The ped- the pedestrian bridge would go right into the stadium. That's really really cool. I, I I think it would. I mean, um, if you look at, I mean, I was I was at the Titans game two weeks ago. It was sold out. I mean, I know they're playing the Bills, but still, like, it's it it was it was a it was a hot ticket. Uh, I go to Preds games all the time. They're sold out every single night. You can't get tickets. You can't get tickets to the yeah. Predators because they're. I mean, they're they're good, and it's just it's now what the number one franchise in all of sports mm-hmm. in in North America, and it's it just seems like this city is just it, it's booming for for lack of a better better word. I mean, every time I come back um, for the off season, there's you know there's. 13, 14, 15 cranes in the skyline and some <laughs> some other building is coming up. So saying that, I think I think Nashville will be great for Major League Baseball. I, I I really do. And I think if they got the stadium right and they they got the right people to to take over the team and I don't know if they would need another team to, to match up make even numbers in a different league, but as long as they got the stadium right and they didn't Miami Marlins it and <laughs> And, and and do and do that. Like I, I would say, they make a thirty thousand seat stadium, something something small, something intimate, something something different mm-hmm. than than everything else. Because it's it's hard to start a fan base for a baseball team when you know there there hasn't been one ever here, and people are already I would say split between Braves and Reds and some Cardinals, some Cubs. Yeah, some and, Cardinals, yeah. some Cubs. Well, Cubs are everywhere, but yeah. it's. Uh, It'd be interesting. I hope they do it. I think it'd be great for baseball. I think everybody loves the city of Nashville, and I think it's start. Um, I think it's time for Nashville to start showing its teeth in, in, in terms of uh, in terms of Major League Baseball, and for people to really, really see how great of a city this is. Well, Kurt, thank you so much for stopping by the studio, Thanks for taking time me. out of your uh, your off season to uh, to come by and talk some baseball. Enjoyed it, and hope we can uh, we can do it again soon. Let's do it again real soon. Thank you for having me. Good stuff there from Kurt Casale, again, with the Cincinnati Reds, formerly with the Vanderbilt Commodores. Nice enough to come in studio with us, mm-hmm. Calvin. Great stuff. I know you really enjoyed all the the analytical yes. stuff with him of yes. Rap Soto and breaking pitches and, and all that with him. Yes, well, I got... Normally, when I've asked a question about that stuff in the past to a lot of our guests, a lot of it's been, you know, it's, it's part of the equation and we kind of do stuff with it here and there. But Kurt actually walked you through the process of how it's used and how he incorporates it with the pitching coaches and then how he uses that in game to kind of inform what he's informing within his decision making right and Mm -hmm. when he determines what a hitter's doing within a net bat then he takes the information that they've gathered on the pitcher about what type of a pitcher they are whether you know they have great vertical movement great horizontal movement or whatever he uses that to then game plan in that way and that is such a great lens that you don't get one a guy who's a catcher who's so involved in every at bat he's incredible the guy in every at bat 
who's putting down the signs in, in this mental game of baseball where catchers have to be a step ahead all the time. Mm-hmm. And you got a great perspective there of how new technology is being used for the good. And the Reds are certainly going to be on the forefront of that, like we talked about last week with the hiring of Kyle Bodie. Yep, absolutely. So good stuff there. And then I thought he really peeled back the curtain on Sonny Gray. Oh, yeah, for and sure. And how successful Sonny Gray was. Sonny Gray's line this year, 11-8, and 2.87 ERA. He had 205 strikeouts in 175 innings. He's never really been a strikeout-laden pitcher. But all of a sudden this season, Sonny Gray averaging more than nine strikeouts uh, per nine innings. Yeah. And just a fantastic season. It was really cool to hear Kurt's breakdown of Sonny, considering how close they are, played together at Vanderbilt. Both live in the mid-state. And they just saw each other this week. And the fact that he's saying that he's a better pitcher now than he was at Vanderbilt, and he was fantastic at Vanderbilt. He was an all-SEC guy at Vanderbilt. And it just... Makes a lot of sense, though, that Sonny Gray is a strikeout pitcher with that hammer curveball he has. Mm-hmm. I'm glad. Well, I would say the way pitching is going in the MLB greatly favors Sonny Gray's arsenal with that curveball where we're seeing the bridles get taken off with it. Like Kurt said in the interview, there was kind of a hiatus from the curveball because of a lot of concerns about what it does to your arm and stuff like that, and everyone got caught up in the slider. But with the way pitching is going right now, it only seems to be benefiting Sonny Gray because he threw a curveball on almost a quarter of his pitches. Mm-hmm. That's a crazy amount, it really is. especially when he's only throwing his fastball 28% of the time. So as we wrap things up here, we both agreed last week that it was going to be Nats-Yankees in the World Series. That was our prediction going into oh, the Oh, because Calvin series. was sticking by Calvin's prediction from the beginning of the year. Yes. Yes. And we were both all aboard the Nationals bandwagon at that point. Yeah, and for sure. still weren't complete we believers in the Cardinals. Yeah. And you just hate to see the Cardinals lose in the playoffs. I mean, yeah, uh, you, you hate you just, to see it. You hate to see it. <laughs> um, tongue in cheek, I can't stand the Cardinals. Are you still thinking Yankees-Nats? Or are you kind of changed? Are, are you thinking this is going to go the Astros way now? Well, I'm going to stick with my opinion of last week, which was Calvin... I'm speaking myself in the third person here. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Calvin at the beginning of the year is, of course, going to be right. And the Yankees are absolutely going to make it to the World Series because I said they would at the beginning of the year. However, the Astros look like the better team and the team I would bet on if I were a betting man. So that that is me weaseling out of it because I've been doing that since July because that's how strongly I've believed in the Astros for a while now. As as everybody has, they're probably the best team in baseball. And that's my way of weaseling out of it and saying, I would bet on the Astros, but I'm sticking to my guns with the Yankees very weakly. Well, I think I may have overthought the whole the Astros lost the LCS when they lost game four and were forced to pitch Garrett Cole in game five. Yeah, yeah. They're still up 2-1. At the timing of this podcast, so we'll uh, we'll see. And they they hopefully they won't get rained out anymore. I know, right? And Greinke can now pitch. Yes, on full rest that only benefits the Strohs. Verlander can now pitch at full rest. So what's going to be interesting to watch is the Nationals layoff they have now because the Yankees and Astros still have some games to play. They have more to be figured out. But the Nationals have all this time off. They haven't had a, more than one day off since. I have no idea. I haven't looked at the schedule. Yeah, I mean, they had to play in the wild card game. But they, they've been just at it, at it, at it, and now they're going to get a week off. And it's a very common narrative that teams who get a time off, get time off tend to come back, and they're a little flat-footed. They aren't in the same groove. And for a team who we talk about who's on fire right now, mm-hmm. 
sitting on your couch, which is not what they're doing, but <laughs> sitting in the cages or something like that right. is not the same as what they might see if Luis Severino is on the mound or if Garrett Cole's on the mound. Yeah, exactly. So that's all we have for you today here on the Home Play Podcast. Hope you enjoyed Kirk Casale, uh, his visit as much as we did. And we will be talking to you again soon, hopefully next week, right here on the Home Play Podcast, ESPN 1025 The Game and thegamenashville.com.